To see examples of what we talked about on this episode, along with further information, go to bunchofdorks.com. Welcome, everyone, to Two Dimension Podcast. The comic book podcast with no direction. What's up, everybody? You know that song. You know this voice. It's your boy, Rook. Joining me, as always, is the man who rolls natural 20s all the time. It's Mr. Don Moore. Hello, everybody. And he may not get that joke, but our guest does. Everybody, (laughs) welcome back to the show, Christopher Michael. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. man. Thank you so much. A little behind the scenes, everybody. We actually had to reschedule because of a hurricane, so really appreciate you coming back on. Uh, we're talking today about Crit Caffeinated Chaos. You're launching this in just two days, October 12th. Uh, what is going on with the Crit crew this time? So, uh, you know, in the last book, they they took out the big bad of the, the season. Um, we closed out Chapter 1 with lots of violence, lots of, lots of comedy, a little bit of drama, and we... And we close some questions, open some more. That's kind of what what the story does. Um, they left their employer, and in D and D, you know, and they tell the DM, "Oh, we're quitting this job." I'm like, "Well, what are you guys going to do for money?" You know, those. Free, and um, they were like, "Oh, well, we're going to open up a um, a coffee shop, and we're gonna we're gonna sell coffee." And, be, and it's because one of the characters has the ability to infuse drinks. So he's like, yeah, I'm going to do energy drinks, I'm going to do coffee, and we're going to have this place called Black Cat Coffee because he just wanted it to be like like based off the cat. Huh. And uh, so I was like, all right, cool. And, he goes, and then the other one jumps in. He goes, yeah, we're going to make it a mobile unit, and we're going to go around the city selling coffee, and that way when something bad happens, we can jump out of the van and be ready to you know do our thing. <laughs> and you know, I was like, I love the creativity. This is cool, so let's run with it. And the the session we were in, they chose the mission near this big giant stadium that had an electronics uh, expo going, and they're sitting there selling coffee the entire time, just goofing off, having fun. And all of a sudden, I'm like, hey, people are screaming, running out of the building. What do you do? And if you're familiar, you know that there's the talking cat in the book, yeah. and he has two friends now, a talking owl and a talking chameleon. So they leave the animals there to run the coffee shop, and they run inside to fight whatever's going on. They go in and the big giant robot. Um, so that's what the story's about: is them, you know, struggling as uh, small business owners, which any entrepreneur can appreciate, and then trying to balance that with you know fighting these big giant evil robots. Um, it's it, I've had a lot of people ask me what this book is like. And the best description I can give it is if you take an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and then mash it together with Ninja Turtles, that's what this one plays out like. Um, My art direction, my whole story flow is going in that with the book. Every book I try to like direct it a little bit differently. I'm a a big TV guy. I love different like direct. I love when a, a TV show has different directors for every episode. So it's the same group of characters, but you get a different feel each time. And that's what I try to do with Crit. So every book, I, I try to direct it just a little bit differently so you don't feel like you're reading the same thing over and over again. 
and um, I just spent like a week watching It's Always Sunny, and I was like, oh, this is really cool. I love the the back and forth because that's kind of like my guys, and then the action from Ninja Turtles. Um, I really wanted to have some of that in there, so I just kind of went with the flow on that because it it just it just hit. Um, what I'm excited about on this Kickstarter is for U.S. backers because. Um, you know, I don't have licensing and permits to ship overseas yet with this stuff. I created our own custom energy drink. So that, yeah, yeah, you, you can't have a, a book called Caffeinated Chaos and not have some kind of caffeinated drink. Um, coffee, oddly as it is, coffee was ridiculously expensive to try and get coffee bags. And I was like, well, I don't even drink coffee. I like energy drinks. I'm going to run with the energy drink that they have in the book. And so we have those available. Uh, I am doing a custom D&D tier where five people can sign up for five four-hour sessions of D&D. I will DM it, and I might get a guest in from, from the team. So we'll DM five sessions. That's from character creation through session five, get you guys started. And you know, get uh, my goal there is hopefully it'll track some tenured D&D players. But I think one of the best things that I've run into with this series so far is people coming to me saying they've never played D&D before and they wanted to get into it because of crit. And so I'm hoping I get some first-time players and I can open them up and show them how much fun D&D is because it's uh, it can be intimidating. You know, I've got 30 books <laughs> of content. You've got, you know, the balancing, the, the math that goes into it. So I know a lot of people are intimidated. And so I'm hoping we can bring them in and, you know, get some first-time players. I think that'd be a lot of fun, and it would it would really be full circle for us as D and D players to show other people, um, you know, what we're doing, and we'll we'll give you our beta test as well. So we have a beta book um, with the game. It's all the character sheets, so you can make custom versions of the characters from our book. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, yeah. so. And I would really like to to see some people and let them. I want to see what people do with their own version of these characters, you know, because they don't even have to have the same name. It's just the power set. It's kind of like you know, My Hero Academia, where um, All Might transfers his power, you know, into Deku. And so I want to see what somebody else does with that power and how they play that character. Um, and you know within reason if we can fit that character into the book somewhere it'd be kind of cool if we have like a couple of those characters show up now if they die in your game i'm sorry they're gonna die in ours too uh, <laughs> but um i think it'd be really cool and interesting to see some like the backers getting a chance to impact our story because we have a lot of npc areas and we're we're in like the 40s as far as book wise written you know so it'd be cool to I know there's two two areas in the story later on where I can fit heroes in um, or villains. I mean, if you guys create evil characters, I have tons of villain places that I can throw them in. So, um, nice. you know, I'm all about the I'm all about getting people invested through creation. That's what D&D is about. So I've done um, like contests on my Instagram for create your own characters before. And I've thrown those characters in as NPCs in the book. Um, you know, I, I like doing fun stuff like that because it gives people a connection to the book that we don't get to have with like Marvel and DC. You know, uh, 
So, so that's what Crit's about, really, is just camaraderie, fun, and lots of chaos. So it was a fitting name. Yeah. Oh, fantastic, man. I mean, you know, I didn't get to talk to you last time, so this this is great for me. I, I'm a huge D&D player. Um, I've mentioned a couple times, and probably people are sick of it. Uh, I just finished up six years of a campaign story. Oh, wow. Yeah, and we just kicked off the next part uh, of that game uh, two weeks ago. So D and D is a huge part of my life, uh, as it is obviously yours, since it's the base of how you create this book. I mean, mm-hmm. what uh, you know, I've I've always talked to different player groups that are like, oh man, our story would make such a cool book or such a cool cartoon, and you guys went, no, nah, we're gonna do a comic book, and yep, yep. you know, I get that. <laughs> It's so different, man. I love that. Uh, it's, you know, I, I look at I look at my player table and people talk about doing D and D live play podcasts and stuff, and I, I just think to myself, I'm like, I can never do any of this because my players are they screw off way too much. Well, see, I thought about that too because with the book, I think it would be a really good promotional tool to let people kind of watch us play, mm-hmm. but. I, I don't think everyone understands that some some games, especially with friends that have, we've been close friends for going on 15, 20 years, some of us, and we're comfortable with each other enough to know what we can and can't say to each other, right? Right. I know I can't talk about, um, what is it, my Full Metal Alchemist with Terrell because of the, the dog and the little girl. Um <laughs> I've had him leave chats because we've dropped memes in about that. And he, he watched, he stopped watching that at that, that point. And so, you know, everyone's little ticks, you know, what sets them off. Um, and you know, what kind of humor you can and can't have. Yeah. Sadly, you know, you're getting us at our most raw because we're completely vulnerable, hanging out with our friends, saying whatever we want to say. And, you know, some, sometimes when you invite, random people to experience that it could it could either ruin the gameplay because people are too worried about what they're saying yeah or you could say something that unfortunately does you know offend someone um we don't know everyone's life we don't know everyone's story and so it makes it hard and early on we discussed that and i said well i'd rather do maybe some edited game sessions later on and things release like we did the audiobook um we get on and we do talk live, and I thought too that adding this D and D tier would be a good a good way to, you know, allow people to to play D and D with us, but not experience our game at the rawness of the table. Yeah, yeah. because if you you play D and D, you know you you and your friends probably <laughs> say something that someone else is like, did you really just say that? <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. There 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 was a discussion at our table one time about doing a doing it as a podcast. And then 5 minutes later somebody made a joke and I'm like, and that's why we can't make a podcast. Yep. <laughs> yeah. At least you so, can edit the podcast those and it, like even if we were to record and edit the session, I still feel like some of my my guys would be uneasy because I have one guy who won't even get like if I do a live video with him he won't even put his face on the screen he just you know he doesn't do social media he's not really into it all he loves playing the game but he's like I really don't want to be part of all of that and I respect that you know like like 
D&D means a lot to a lot of different people. For us, it was our way of getting back together as friends after 10 years, and some of us hadn't even talked. And after one session, we were in a group chat just living it up like we were 10 years prior, and yeah. like nothing had ever happened. We were best friends, and we've been close ever since. Like A few of us went on a vacation together this past summer, went down to this like beach island and just hung out for like a week. And we had never done that. And we just talked about D&D the whole time. So it's like this emotional connection we have to it. And and that's what the game is all about, is connecting connecting together in a way that you just, you can't in a normal setting, you know? Mm -hmm. I I don't care what anybody says, the the connection you get playing together, and for a long period of time, too, uh, you know, it's it's a different kind of connection, you know? And as the DM, you know, you're you're not just the DM, the person running the game. You're also the therapist. You're also the the the, the referee. You're you're doing fifty different things at every session, and, and well, especially in a homebrew session. You're planning on how how this all works to become a comic book as well. On top yeah. of everything that a normal DM does, you somehow have in the back of your head, okay, how is this going to translate into a comic? Oh, during the sessions, there's at least one time every session where I just put my head down and someone goes, did I make you mad? And the other person goes, oh, no, no, he's not mad. He's just thinking about how the hell he's going to draw that in the book. (laughs) Because a lot of people also don't know, um, you know, if you've read the books, thank you so much. But I, I taught myself how to draw by doing this. So my first run at drawing comic book art is actually in the trade paperback from the last Kickstarter. You can see it. Um, while I'm proud of the work that I've done, that was not nearly my best work because I literally picked up a pen and tablet and was like, hey, I just want to draw. You know, Not that it was stick figures. I, I come from a very talented family. I've drawn before in my life. When I was a little kid, actually my dad's trying to get me to frame a piece over here. He still has the first comic book character I drew when I was like seven or eight years old. Nice. And so he's got to find it in storage and he's going to bring it to me. But I never did anything with it. So picking up a pen and starting to draw after, you know, 30 years of not doing anything, it was rough. And I, I love this story because, you know, I, I have zero ego, especially when it comes to my art and my creativeness, because I know some things I like, other people just aren't. And that's fine. I think that I can take that criticism in stride. But my wife is a extremely talented individual from music to photography to art. She blows everybody out of the water that I know. And when I drew the first book, I spent three months. Mind you, I'm unemployed. She tells me, just do whatever I need to do with my life. I had put aside some money in case anything had happened. So we had this like small you know, fund. And she's like, just take some time. Enjoy life. You've been working since you were 12. I was like 36 at the time, 35, 36. And she was like, you know, do something that you enjoy for a while and then find a job that you will enjoy so you don't just get stuck somewhere. So I started playing video games and drawing comic books. (laughs) (laughs) And I hadn't had time to do any of this stuff in a long time. In fact, I was playing Spider-Man on PS4, and that's what gave me the idea for Superhero D&D. And... I finished the book, 
three months of drawing it, you know, at this point I'm already, I'm back at work, I'm doing that, and I'm drawing at work, you know. So I come home, like a little kid with his chest puffed out, like I just finished this book, you know. I letter it up, I hand it to her that night, we're watching TV, and she pauses the TV, she reads all 17 pages, literally hands the thing back to me, doesn't make eye contact with me, turns the TV back on and says, it's okay. I also want to preface that I chased my wife for 11 years. I was friend-zoned for 11 years. She was my best friend. We were inseparable. And we're going on, I think at that point, like four years of marriage. So 15 years with this woman who she knows me inside and out and just hands that back to me and says, it's okay, and doesn't even make eye contact. There was like this little tiny piece inside of me that was crushed. And we just watched TV. The next day, I, I contemplated, I'm like, do I give it up? Do I, you know, not pursue this idea that I have? Or do I just try harder? And I will say that just about everything I've done in life, from music to bodybuilding now to comic books, I always fail the first time. I fall flat on my face because I don't, I don't ever try to look at what other people are doing. I just try to do what I want to do. And usually it's wrong. And then I'm like, oh, so I don't do it this way. I find someone that knows what they're doing. I'm like, I do it that way. <laughs> um, you know, I'll tell you about my guitar in a, in a little bit. But um, so I go the next day, I buy, I buy an iPad and I start drawing again. And she's like, so you're really going to do this? And I was like, yes, I really want to do this. And I said, instead of me just sitting here drawing and then you critiquing it, how about I draw panel for panel? You critique, you know, page panels with me every day. I mean, we were living i was working remotely she owns a photography studio so like we are all we're always home and so she would rip my art apart for the first four books it was page by page man i'm telling you she'd erase feet she'd erase faces she'd erase this arm can't go this way this ankle looks broken this looks like this and she had no nothing nothing barred she would just let me have it and i was fine with it you know the first couple times it hurt and there were times when I was really proud of something, and she would tear it apart. But by the fourth book, I was about halfway through, and she's like, you know, I think you're at a point where you really don't need me. And she still looks at everything. She still gives me, like, critiques and stuff. But she's like, I think you're there. And for a person who, you know, is so inspired by, you know, his wife to have her say that, I was like, wow, that's better than saying I do, you know? Like, that was awesome. And now I'm taking on like all the coloring responsibilities too. And so she's helping me with that. And I just love the idea that everything that we, I get to do, she's incorporated in and she's making me better there. Um, but my father's also, he's worked on comic books. Like he's done ghost art. Like he's really, he's friends with um, Joe, Joseph Linsner and a few like big names. And so when I was a kid, I got to visit their art studios and see him literally pen stuff with them. Hmm. And, I sent my work to him and he, he was down at my house this past weekend and he was like, you know, it's really cool seeing you take on this. He's like, your first book kind of sucked. <laughs> <He was laughs> like, the one I didn't publish. He goes, he's like, that was rough. He goes, I didn't know where you were going to go with it. He's like, but now every time you send me something, I'm blown away. And so that's really cool to, to see the progression and also know that when everyone picks up my books and reads, you know, my friends are the characters in the book. What, how I level up is book to book with better art. And, you know, it's really cool when I have someone that'll message me and go, you know, book one wasn't bad, 
They're like, but book three, man, you're killing it. Or book four, like, you know, I get those those responses. Hmm. And that, that means the world. So, you know, that, that right there is like the story <laughs> of, um, of me and, and art. And I like telling people that, um, you know, I never gave up on this. This is going to happen whether people fund it or not. <laughs> I have a tablet and a pen. You can't really stop me. Right. So... Well, I, I said I this. That's, that's one of the best things. It's like this is this is where I want to be. This is what mm-hmm. I want to do, and it's happening. Yep. Everybody get out of the way. This is something I said last time we talked. Was I liked I liked it from the beginning, but I did see a progression when you got better and better. But you know, there's a lot of comic book artists that, as time went on, they started correcting their style you know they were improving but they were correcting it one of them was John Byrne and uh, everybody always talks about the work he did with Chris Claremont in the 70s is the best their favorite and as the 80s went on he started changing how he draws and a couple of times in interviews the interview was basically talking about they like the other work better and he just said why and he says I only had three standard poses I only had this and that well, yeah, but I don't know. Maybe there was a youthful enthusiasm in the beginning. There was something different. I mean, he was always good, but uh, the Hernandez brothers, the do Love and Rockets, um, stopped using so much detail, started simplifying their style. Again, always good. But a lot of people always go back to the, the work that they always cringe at, saying they were adding detail to hide imperfections. And... Uh, when you're talking about your progression, that's all I think about was, and when we picked it up and looked at it, so this is actually quite good. Um, and I, again, I did see a progression, and that's what always happens. If you're doing something all the time, you can't help but improve. You just, you know, get better and better. But to anybody listening, if you haven't read Crit yet, don't just skip the first few issues that everybody else he says is just blasted because they're actually I I enjoyed them they're quite good and when you're talking about the gaming I said this last time that added an element to me because I saw friendships and alliances that I really wasn't expecting and it's because it's real life and it always surprises you so yeah with the um, with the book you know the, the easiest part for me is that that camaraderie in that the, the how they interact. Yes, and I think I'm blessed that we use this way of storytelling because it, it's so organic, and there's no there's no conversation that feels out of place, right? Um, you know, if we pick up any modern sh- storytelling, you know, pick up Star Wars, pick up Marvel books, things like that. There are people that are like, oh, that per- person wouldn't act that way or they wouldn't talk that way. Like, that's not them, right? And I'm not going to say any, like, names of shows, but we hear it all the time yeah. that certain characters are per- portrayed differently or wrong. And I love in our book how I can't portray my friends wrong because that was them doing it. That's them saying it. That's straight out of, out of their mouth. And the, the characters themselves, they didn't create characters. They're playing themselves in the situation. So every time they're, they meet an impasse, it's like, well, what would I do here? Not what would Boulder do or what would Caliber do? What would I do? And they do take into the account what the character has experienced thus far. And so 
it's unique because it is fantasy. You know, it, it's all fake. But when they argue or like actually some of those arguments that I put in there are real arguments that happen in real life. I just make it between the characters. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's all, it's all so natural. And somebody asked me recently, like, you know, how does it feel to write your friends? And I'm like, I really don't have to. I create the situations, the story plays out, it writes itself. And then I direct it, you know, um, it's very unique. I, I've, I'm blessed that we use this style of storytelling um, because you're always going to get the most raw, the most unique, and the most um, energetic characters that can be done by this book because they're just playing themselves. Yeah, yeah, and which is also quite unique in a in a D and D setting because a lot of times people are taking on personality traits and personas that aren't theirs. They're uh, they're looking to become something different and experience something different and. These guys are all sitting at this table as themselves with superpowers, <laughs> and yep. you're putting them in these in extraordinary situations. So they really get to react how they would personally react if they had these abilities. Uh, yeah, and they get to be rude to the DM because they know who the DM is in the game, <laughs> and so yeah, you know, I I get a player character um, later on the story, like. We're on book six now. By the end of this chapter, my character will come into play. My character's been referenced, but he hasn't shown up yet. Um, and when he shows up, Crit is now, you know, they're, this is book 12. They're very well established. They've saved, you know, tons of people from different things. And I think actually after the session where they take down a human trafficking ring is where this my character shows up and I, I'm introducing myself and they're like, oh wow, you're shorter in real life. <laughs> and, and I'm just I, every time they get a dig, they take it. Um, and it's just it's gonna be funny when that stuff happens because my character's supposed to be someone of importance, you know and, and and they treat him like like they do me, you know, like their best friend. And it's just hilarious and I can't wait to see those interactions on paper. Because I even play my character like me. It's like, oh, short joke, yeah. You know, like I haven't gotten those my whole life. Try something real, you know? <laughs> um, and it, the organic growth that happens, and um, I, like, I do like to preface with everybody that every issue is contained as, like, most D&D campaigns. There's the, there's the overarching story, and everything connects to itself. But it is growing into something very big. I just, as a writer, when we were coming down to the idea of making the comic book, like how do we were, we were wondering, do we just kind of bypass some stuff? Do we mash stuff together? Like, and I love the fact that my characters are low level. You can see them get beat up. You can see them need help in a situation. They're not Superman all the time. Right. They can't just punch their way out of things or fly away. The hell have I think only one of them can fly in his limited flight, you know? So actually in the book end of book three, they're just trying two of them are left, one flies off, one teleports, and the other two guys are like, well, what do we do? <laughs> yeah. Wait, hold on guys. <laughs> and so they have to jump out of this building and one of them is a straight human with no abilities at this point. He just has armor. And the other one, he's, you know, a Captain America style physique. 
And that's what we had. Actually, that session, we had to figure out, okay, so, because this is all homebrewed, you know, like, there's no, um, especially early on, there wasn't, like, a lot of set things because we were trying to figure out how this all worked. And I'm like, you're supposed to be, like, All Might, but you're a barbarian monk. Like, when you're in rage mode, you have this, but when Caliber's hold, like touching you, you can't go into rage mode because his his ability shuts off everyone else's abilities. And so he's like, you know, what do you do? And so he had to figure out his physiology. And he goes, well, I pictured my character, you know, being when he had his superpowers, being beefed up like like Captain America. And you see Captain America jump out of a helicopter and land on a on a ship, right? And he's like, he's not a super, like he has no superpowers. It's just he has an enhanced physiology. I'm like, okay, cool. So if you can jump out of a helicopter like like Captain America, then yeah, you can jump out of a third story window with Caliber on your back singing, you know, "There Go My Heroes." <laughs> they really wanted to reenact that scene from um, uh, the other guys that aim for the bushes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I wish I actually could share some of these recordings, and I, I'm gonna. I have, it just it's very time consuming to try and edit them. But I look at the guys, and I'm like, hey, listen, and I put a timer on. I said, you have this much time to figure out what you're going to do before the building explodes, and you're in it. And they're like, hold on, hold on. And he pulls up his phone with a YouTube a video of, their, of that scene. It's like, aim for the bushes, aim for the bushes. <laughs> <laughs> and so that, that had to make the book um, because, like, y- you know, I, I also like the story having pop culture references or – I like that it's uh, tongue in cheek and it never takes itself too seriously. So, and, and it's also very self-aware without breaking the fourth wall. So, you you you'll read read it and have a moment where maybe you connect with something, and then somebody else will connect with something different. You know, some kind of pop culture reference, and um, then the D and D references. I don't heavy hand the D and D die rolls and those things, but I do include terminology like. We didn't roll initiative or um, sneak attack, you know, things like that. things that will the D and D player will go ah, you know, yeah, little aha there moments. There it is. There's there's that little bit. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I like putting them there. Um, I, I had originally thought about putting the die rolls there so you could see when they get nat twenties and when they get nat ones, but for non D and D players, it was distracting or like a turn off. Cause I had a couple people check it out and they're like, ah, I don't even like that. Like it's kind of like weird for me cause I'm in the story. Then I have to look at this die roll and I don't know what I'm looking at. And I was like, well, if one person says that there's going to be at least 10 and then so on and so forth, I'll just nix it and we'll make references to things. And if you get it, you get it. You know, if you don't, the rest of the book will be funny anyway. So well, and um, if you ever read uh, Table Titans, they they do they do that. They do the switch back and forth a lot between the table play and 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 the the fantasy actual what's happening, and they can kind of throw you off a little bit. So to keep everything focused and going forward, yeah, I think that's probably a much better idea than trying to drop in the die rolls and be like, oh, he just rolled a one, something horrible is going to happen. I can't wait to turn the page. Oh, you know, but it also kind of over foreshadows what's about to happen too. Yeah, I, we do have like the moments where they'll they'll say like, "Oh, critical role," you know, or something like that, where it's said. Um, so you you. Oh. 
the it's more for the um, for the for the the Easter egg than it is for the reader to know. Oh, he got a nat twenty. You know, it's more like Caliber making fun of Boulder. It's like, oh, you got a nat one. You you suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No little little references here and there in the book. Uh, yeah, that, that's great for the people who, especially for people who understand what a mon- monumental amount of work has to go into creating this by playing the game, going through, doing all this, and then going back and going, okay, here's what we can use for the content for the actual comic. Uh, that's something I'm curious of. Uh, how, how long are your sessions usually to create a single issue? Is one session a single issue, or is it multiple sessions per issue? Usually four to six hours. Um, so book five was... It was multiple issues um, because it was a, it was I had created a very long overarching piece to move the story forward. Um, we had a new character join in, and I was trying to wrap up what they were doing so we could incorporate him into it. And so that was two sessions. That's why it was like a sixty-page book because. <sighs> I wanted to break the second session away, but the second session was very dialogue heavy and the first session was very action heavy. And I felt like if I'm going to go to Kickstarter with this book, I want to appeal to everybody. You know, my books generally have a good amount of dialogue and then a good amount of action. So you, you're not bored, you know, depending on what you like. Um, the If I had split it into five and six, six would have been a lot of back and forth politics and, and dialogue. And I was like, all right, I can condense this session down to 10, 12 pages, accomplish what got done correctly without without butchering the story, but also propelling the next chapter. Um, and so I just did a prologue with it. And it was the end of that chapter anyway, so at least we're ending the chapter on a really high note and like going out with a bang. Um, actually, the book ends <laughs> with with a, 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 a an, an enemy, you know, um, dying on his own terms. So, like that that creates problems later on. But um, you know, I really I really don't like to break these sessions up if I don't have to, okay. because it when we're, especially if you're playing D anD D, you know this towards the middle end of your session is the best part of the session. Everyone's everyone's in it. They're all role-playing well. They've got the rust off from the month, and they're like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I'm rolling well, or I'm rolling like crap. It is what it is. And they're having fun. The first, like, 30 minutes, they're trying to figure out, where was I last time? Where's my character sheet? What am I doing? You know, oh, I got five text messages. And then when it hits, it hits. I don't want to cut that book right when it hits. Yeah. So... Um, every session is is a, is a game. I've got a couple that that do s- split into two different sessions, but um, I started writing them in two different sessions. When I was as a DM, I was like, "Cool, I'm going to end here." You know, I might end a little bit early, but I know that if I cut it here, then I can come back and gain that same energy next time with with the rest of it. And that seems to have really worked. Early on, I had to teach myself how to DM these guys. Sometimes I would come in with like these nine hour invested campaign ideas 
And I'm telling you, I spent the better part of an entire month building a session. And I'm saying like five and six hours of research just on different civilizations and all this stuff I was building. And I put it in literally they they I, I lead them down this tunnel and they're like well how do like i'm like you see this in this wall and the guy that's leading you there he just puts his hand on it and all of a sudden disappears and they're like oh this is stupid <laughs> <laughs> and i was like i mean i didn't have a good mechanic like i looked through the game and i was like i don't really have a good mechanic on how this would work and i see it all the time where like magical wall cool it's gonna be there they get into this underground city that's supposed to be filled with like being similar to them because I wanted to incorporate this like underground society of, of um, misfits, outcasts, things like that. Because while Crit gained powers and was able to maintain their humanity, I wanted to show monsters kind of you know early on and how being exposed to this energy wasn't always a good thing. So I brought them down in there and they just didn't like it. Like literally, they were like, "This is just." more work for us uh, and I had like a, a, a heroes guild I had a thieves guild I had all these things built in there and right. they just ignored it the whole world that you built and they're like no we don't wanna yeah <laughs> I was like are you kidding me I was like do you know how much work I put into this and they're like we've been telling you since day one give us a scenario we will build out the rest with our imagination and just roll with it Yep. and that was the last time so every other time I was like okay cool you're here, this happens, what do you do? And then they had fun. I, I had no groundwork. I just said, this is what happens. What do you guys do? And they're like, oh, okay, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do this. I'm going to go over here. And I was like, so I've been pushing you guys to enjoy this game for the past four or five sessions, and now all of a sudden I just say, this is what goes on. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's easy. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually book five was the first book where I took the gloves off, and I was like, all right, you have to get to this station, okay? You're in your van. We've already established that you're in the van. Last session, you were getting there to go find the bad guys. Here's the bad guy's base. What do you do? And I had, like, rotary cannons set up and, like, a whole guard field because I figured they would try to, like, actually tactically take this place on. No. These guys look at me and they're like, all right, cool. So we have the van, and we're all, we're dressed in our superhero outfits, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're in, you're in the outfits. Cool. Um, we're going to drive as fast as we can through the gate. <laughs> yep. And and then like the one, uh, one guy looks at everybody else. He goes, okay, just roll with it and play along with me. That's all I'm going to ask you to do. He says, this is going to be a total role play. Just play off me the best you can. <laughs> and so he jumps out and he's like yelling. And I'm playing the guard. I'm like, I have my gun on him. I'm like, dude, hands up, hands up. Like, what are you doing? You're not supposed to be here. And he's like, oh, my friend, he's really hurt. You know, he's hurt. We need to, he's hurt real bad. I need an ambulance. And the company that they were infiltrating was a medical company. So he's like, yeah, you guys have, like, hospitals and stuff. Can't you help? And then the other guy gets out, and he's, like, pretending to be sick at the same time. He's like, hey, man, like, we need help. And the, he's like, I'm just, I'm really high on drugs. Leave me alone. <laughs> and then, I, so I have this gun as the guard pointed. And uh, the one character, he looks at me, he goes, why are you pointing a gun at us, man? You're supposed to be helping us. And I'm like, but you're not supposed to be here. He's, and he looks at me, and he goes, it's because he's black, isn't it? 
And as soon as he said that, I was like, I don't even know how to respond now. Like, totally throws me off the guard. <laughs> and so Terrell looks over and goes, why are you pulling a gun on me? He's like, oh, is it, it, you, know, you don't have a gun on him, but you have a gun on me? What is this about? And all of a sudden, I'm like, well, then I should put the gun down, shouldn't I? <laughs> and, like, in real life, I'm questioning all of my actions because of what they're doing. And then the other guy gets out of the car, and he's like, oh, yeah, figures, you know, Georgia, of course, pulling the gun on him. And then... <laughs> I got my boss coming up. I'm like playing it like my boss comes up to yell at me like, what am I doing with this? And he's like, well, I don't know. I don't want to get in trouble. Like they're 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 threatening racial suits on us now. (laughs) And so all of this happens. Not at all what you expected. No, not at all. (laughs) Riffing off the top. (laughs) Just just going with it. And then finally the big guy gets out of the car, this seven foot dude that supposedly got hit by a truck. And he gets out, and the, and the other guard's like, oh, wow. <laughs> like, are you okay? He's like, I think I broke my wrist. And he's like, uh, well, now we have all these dudes. Like, what are you guys doing? Oh, we just came from Comic-Con. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, you got to love sessions yeah. like that, though, where you've got this. And I've, I've had it happen more than a few times where you got all these plans, and, you you know, uh, like I had, I had them going to do a heist, and... All of a sudden, the spellcaster who like doesn't know her spellbook <clears throat> causes a wall to open up with a spell, and they all go just running out of the castle. And I'm like, "That's no okay." Well, you guys escaped the castle. Holy crap! You know, I've got all this combat and everything, and they just they veer left when you're expecting them to go right, and that's that's the life of a DM. <laughs> and that's like every session. Um, but it's so much fun when that happens because they're enjoying it. Yeah. And so since I know they're enjoying it and they're kind of leading the way and I'm just kind of setting things up as they go. So what I do now before a session, I'll have a list of things that I want to have happen. I'll have enemies built out like random enemies that I want them to encounter and I'll find good spots in the story while we're playing to drop this stuff in it's like okay cool that's over here or that's here or you'll need to find this over and then while they're doing it somebody pops up um you know it it took a long time to get my flow but they don't do well with modules they hate being told where to go what to do um i tried using one shots i've done a bunch of different stuff and they just don't do well with it they hate it they're like this isn't fun i want to control it (laughs) It's funny you say that because we actually uh, we were supposed to play just yesterday, and the couple that we play with came over uh, just to hang out instead. And the whole conversation was like, "We hate this game. Uh, it's all pre-written. It's it's a subscription box uh, that you can get that runs for a year." And they're like, "We hate this game. We have no clue what's happening because th- honestly, the writing is bad." <laughs> The writing in this game, in this module, is is bad, and I agree with them. And so, yeah, we're gonna go original content from here, and you know, it, it gives it gives them more freedom to run. And I, and that sounds like what you've done. You've given them so much freedom to run and just do wild stuff, mm-hmm. and you're just getting amazing content out of it. You're <laughs> it's like I said at first, I was really taken back by a lot of the stuff they were doing. But now I've learned to appreciate their role playing and and their storytelling. And I love the fact that they all tell their own story the way they want to tell it. They work together. 
it's honestly like, like the best set game session we've ever played, and we've played quite a few. In fact, I'm in three games right now. I only DM one, thank God. Um, I'd been DMing for so long. Finally, somebody was like, hey, do you want to play? And I was like, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm going to create chaos for you, but it's going to be fun. Um, and I actually, being a DM made me a better player because yeah. I knew how much my DM was going to hate me every time I did something. <laughs> um, but I learned not to meta, too. What's that? But yet we'll still do it. <laughs> oh, I mean, you have to. I build characters sometimes that are just there to cause chaos because, you know, and you have to really look at the group of guys you're playing with, too, and, and girls. Um, if you have a group that doesn't know how to move themselves forward, I like to play that character that will just do whatever to move everything forward. Yeah, okay, it's like, you guys are talking, you guys are arguing. I'm going this way. <laughs> if you if you got to, you know... I'm going this mm-hmm. way no matter what. Yeah. Like, I sold my soul to get a pet owlbear, you know? <laughs> like, and the thing is, like, the the DM had, he created the shop. And, you know, it's a it's a vanilla campaign. I, I think we're playing Strahd, but he won't tell me because he knows that I'll, I'll know too much kind of thing. Right. Um, I picked up on some of it. He's homebrewed or at, he's mixed some modules together. But I think at its heart, it's like a straw campaign. But we're in this town, and by the way, my character is a, a rogue, a trickster rogue, who told his entire party that he was a failed wizard. And so I have a staff with a knife on it, and I, I say abracadabra when I stab people. <laughs> and they're like, why aren't you using spells? I'm like, because I'm that terrible of a wizard. <laughs> um but I don't want anyone to know my backstory where I was a charlatan and I'm just, I'm a hustler is all I do is I hustle all the time. And so I've lied to the party this entire time. None of them know my backstory at all. They think that I took up adventuring because I failed at a wizardry school and I had to pay back school loans. That was my story. <laughs> and we get to this town where the, the king offers us all this gold if we clear out the this goblin infestation on this like floating island we go to. And literally, I'm sitting there like killing all these goblins, collecting like ears and stuff, because if I, if I get enough ears, I get like 100 gold. Yeah. And we accomplish the mission. But my, my buddy decides that he's going to make me mad because he knows my character wanted money. You know, I'm a charlatan. I'm a hustler. I want money. Right. And He's like, oh yeah, the you get off the island, you go somewhere else. The guy doesn't even meet you. Like the, the the story just ends right here for you. You go somewhere else now. And I was like, wait a minute. So that guy's not going to pay me. He's like, no. I'm like, all right. Well, it's now my mission to find him because he owes me money. Yep. We finally find him in this city that he's the king of, and I can't get to him because you know he's in charge, right? So I can't just walk up to him. He's got these guards and everything, and so. Um, we encounter a group of vampires. And I was like, oh, so they're, they're vampires, right? Like, straight up, like, not vampire, um, like, legion or anything. It's like, they're straight up vampires. Yep. I offer myself to t- become a vampire. He's like, you can't do that. I said, all right, well, then I'll, I'll convince them to do it. And I roll. And my character is all charisma-based, so I pretty much pass every time I want to BS somebody or I want to, like, get my way. Yep. And... I, I get my way, I turn into a vampire He's like, what are you going to do? I was like, oh, well, then I go to the town And I'm like, is there anywhere I can work? He goes, well, the, they're looking for a cook at the shop I'm like, perfect I go in there and I start poisoning everyone with my vampire blood 
and turning them into vampires. He goes, and the whole party at this point, out of game, is like, Chris, what are you doing? And I said, well, you guys don't really care about what's going on, but I do, and I want to kill this guy, so I'm going to turn his entire, all of his constituents into vampires, and then make them go kill him. Yep. And then he was like, he he wouldn't let me do that. I wound up killing him a different way, but um, he he kept throwing like curveballs at me, like paid off all my school debt too, like some. So we did a mission. This guy was like, oh, man, you did a really good job. How much is your school debt? And I mean, I had none. I just threw out a number. I'm like, oh, it's like 500 gold. He's like, oh, I'm going to take care of that. I'm like, man, I could have just gotten that 500 gold. <laughs> yeah. So I, I play this character who just will always do the most, like, bullheaded thing. And he knows it, so he uses my character to propel everything. Like, uh, if he needs some kind of character-based thing for a, a campaign piece... It's my character that's the problem, you know? Because he knows I'll roll with it. Yep. He's like, he wanted the characters to go to this one place, and none of them would do it. Like, he kept giving, dropping hints because I missed a couple sessions. And so I show up, and he's like, oh, for the past couple weeks, you've been getting letters from this guy saying, you know, he wa- he's like wants to be friends with you, and he's got some money for you. He just wants to, um, like... I forget what the situation was, but he, he won me over with money, you know? <laughs> uh, he said money, so... Right, so I go to this mansion, and he he's like, so, yeah, um, I want you to be part of this this procedure I want to do, and in turn, you get, like, a thousand gold. And I was like, I'm loaded. In D&D terms, I never have to worry about money ever again. Yeah. And he's like, but you have to, you know let me turn you into a robot. And I'm over here like, really my favorite class is the <laughs> is Warforged. Let's do it, you know? Okay. I'm also a, uh, I'm a halfling. So we go through and I turn into this like weird robot thing. The entire party is like, you can't do that. This is the bad guy. They figure out while I'm doing this, the entire party is like not liking this idea at all. Because they're like, wait a minute, you're going to turn Chris immortal? What? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> And so finally, um, they they convinced me not to do it. But by then, it's already too late. And he's like, "Oh nope, you're you're a robot now." And like goes to the whole whole story piece. And because I had a, during the course of one of the campaigns, I sold my soul to this demon god. Now the demon god is mad at this guy, and it creates this tension that we have to figure out now. And oh, so. Yeah. Because of my character, all this stuff is happening, and I was like, "Dude, I hope you don't mind me being so stupid." He's like, "No, no, I actually wait for you to be stupid and like plan it so that you can propel the entire party to actually do something." He goes, "Because they never want you to get your way, so if I start giving you what you want, they fight you." Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that is fantastic! I love it. I, I I tell this I tell this one to people all the time. We uh in high school. We had a guy whose campaign was completely out of control. He had, God, like 12 people playing. Oh, wow. All playing multiple characters. Wow. And so he joins the role-playing club, meets me and another guy who have, you know, been playing since we were, like, little kids. And he literally uses us to go in and annihilate his players so that he can bring down the numbers of the party. (laughs) 12 is tough, man. Like... You gotta think a round of combat, yeah. twelve turns, is actually longer than a minute. Yep, and they're all playing multiple characters. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't. I actually couldn't do that in a four-hour session. I, I, 
I started with seven on the campaign that I just finished, and I ended with three. So <laughs> yeah. like four or five is like a magic number. Yep. Because I'm always afraid, and, and you know, this is that we spend so much time talking about D and D. I'm sorry. I just no, I love D and D. You're fine. But you're good. You when you're at the table. You've always got the one guy who takes five minutes to figure out how to do what he's doing. And then they got the other guy who wants to use a mechanic that he doesn't understand, so he has to research the mechanic. Mm-hmm. And I think after five for me, I get really burned out because, like, that, that campaign I'm playing, the complete jerk in, that's eight people. And there's times where I don't even have to do anything for 30, 40 minutes. Yeah. And so I've told the DM, I'm like, I'll probably come on nights where I know someone's going to skip. You know, and it's nothing against them. I'll come every once in a while where we can play a long session, but we play we play like three or four hours, and I might do one or two things. Yeah. If I'm going to dedicate my night, I want to be able to have fun with my character. Yeah. And with twelve, dude, you would not get anything done. Yeah. What's that? You want to you want to be able to have some action, some interaction, some movement, and yeah, with with seven players, eight players, and once you go over four or five. Everything just slows the gears, and it yeah, it, it can it can get rough. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it, yeah, it's it, like watching uh, Metal Gear Solid Four. It's just like a really long CGI sequence, and then finally you get to do one thing before a CGI sequence takes place again. <laughs> yes, oh god, I, I I gave up. I honestly gave up because I was just like, okay, nope, nope, another. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. I can't. I I, I never. Uh, I love I love Metal Gear. Um, there's a few franchises that I'll, I'll take any day of the week. Metal Gear, Mass Effect are two of them right there. Um, just the the chaotic storytelling. The, I mean, Metal Gear Solid, um, the first one, you know, with the controller. Like, I don't know, just something about those games. And uh, I remember playing four while I was in school. And so do I, what I do is I get to the part with the movie, <laughs> and then I do my schoolwork. Yeah. Because I was in college doing, like, uh, I did um, online school for uh, a bunch of my college courses. So I would just do my classwork. <laughs> okay, cool. I'm back to playing. Awesome. Now I can play for 15 minutes. And another cutscene. Cool. Homework. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a way to time things, you know. Get it done. <laughs> yeah, I'm always doing multiple things at once. I work two full-time jobs. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I got the comic book stuff. And I also letter... I'm on like five different titles that I'm lettering, and then I have a distribution channel I work with. So I, it's always something, um, you know. So now I'm used to, you know, having the TV on over here, having a laptop, having four screens, and then my wife comes in and she's like, "How do you process all of this?" Yeah, a lot of training. <laughs> you, you figure it out. I mean, shoot, I used to, I used to run uh, three different computers at the same time. You know, I got this going over here, this guy, you know, and I, I would just roll in my chair back and forth between the yep. computers. <laughs> I've always had multiple things going at the same time because I, I'm, I don't know which one it is, ADHD or ADD, whichever one you have to have, like sensory overload at all times. That's mm-hmm. pretty much me. Yeah. Like, I fall asleep watching TV if I'm just watching TV because it's one thing to focus on and I just can't do it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, know, know the feeling. 
Uh, let's bring it back for a minute. Um, so you guys are doing a kickoff party uh, October 12th, uh, 7th Central, 8 p.m. Uh, by the time this airs, the kickoff will have already started. But you're you're doing it with the guys with big, for Bigfoot Nose Karate. Yep. Dan. Dan's such a good, good friend of mine. Uh, Dan's awesome. We've had him on the show, and we just talked to Casey as well. Um, what? Where's the hookup? Where's the connection there with you guys? Um, just making good comics. So he did an Instagram live with my buddy Dennis, who does Celestial Night, and I letter Celestial Night. And Dennis also does a lot of um, like promo work for me. And so I just jumped in his live one night, and I was like, "Oh, who's this guy using his finger to draw a dang comic book?" <laughs> and we got to talking and he invited me into his live when he launched his last book. And I, I like good people. He's just good people. Um, we get along very well and this wasn't planned. Actually, I had, I had looked at my calendar for the next eight months. I work in taxes. One of my jobs is, um, you know, doing taxes. So I was like, well, man, my season starts November 1st. I got to hire everybody because I have 32 different locations and I was like, well, I start hiring November. Taxes don't end till April. I can't do a Kickstarter in that time because I have 115 employees. And it's just so busy during that time period. I just don't have the capacity to do it again. I did it last year and it almost killed me. So I was like, I hate fourth quarter <laughs> Kickstarters. But if I don't do it in October, I can't do it till April. And I really don't like having that big of a gap between books. Yeah. Um, so I said, well, screw it. I'll do it October 8th because I've got Queen City Con the weekend after, and then I've got Baltimore Con two weeks after, so I can build up some momentum at those two cons. I really didn't want to go to Baltimore without having the Kickstarter because I want to do some exclusive stuff for the con. And um, it just so happened Dan announced his, and I was like, hey, dude, that's literally the only day I can do. So if I don't do it then, it puts me too far into November, and I'm screwed. Yeah. And he was like, well, screw it. Let's just do a joint thing. And we have a, um, I haven't shown it off yet, but I think you said this airs on Wednesday, right? Uh, well, this will air after after the kickoff. Okay, cool. So everyone will know about it then. Um, Dennis, the guy who introduced Dan and I, is a phenomenal artist. And right now they just announced Batman and Spawn coming back. So I contacted Dennis and I said, hey, can you do this Batman Spawn cover, but do an homage to it with Bigfoot nose, Big, Bigfoot and Caliber from my book. Mm. And mm. so, oh, dude. if you remember, the Spawn book had Spawn on top, the Batman one had Batman on top. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Dan's version has Bigfoot on top, my version has Caliber on top. It's a perfect homage to that cover. And so, if you back both books, you'll get both of those covers, uh, both of those, those, their prints. And so, but you have to back both books to even get one. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to get together when it's done and I'm going to go through and it's an add on that will be in the, in the tiers. So when you're done, if you back both books, click the add on, it's a $0 add on. But that way I know these people back Dan. Hey Dan, do you have these people on your list? You do? Cool. I'll get their prints out to them. And that's so cool. Yeah. So we're we're trying this. Um, I think I think this is a big part of pushing that indie envelope of getting people to do more camaraderie based launches. I don't see a lot of them 
I see a lot of competition. And him and I just got the phone today, and I was like, if I fund, I'm happy. You know, I don't care dollar value, backer, backer count. You know, we have completely different books. Mm-hmm. His about Bigfoot. <laughs> My, mine's about my idiot friends. You know, it's like we don't. We're not, there's no competition. There's no ego. There's just hey, let's let's do this together. And I think what I'm hoping for is that people see that we support each other. You know, and they they do support both of us and see that you don't you don't actually get to see that a lot anywhere um, anymore with these people doing you know crossovers and things um, with campaigns. So I'm hoping it. I actually like I've heard a lot of really like people really positive about it. I'm excited to like back both books and, and these things. And um, for me, it's really cool because I like camaraderie. I come from music. Um, I actually just played a reunion show two nights ago with my band after 15 years. And some of the guys that were there had been promoting us or we had gotten them signed. And like, I managed one of those bands and seeing all of them like reminded me of how good camaraderie is when you're at the, this level. So really excited for it. I hope everybody joins in. We're going to run from eight Eastern to about 10 Eastern. And we got like a whole line of lineup of guests you know, I'd love to fund the first night. It's, I got a fifteen hundred dollar goal because I got to pay for these these freaking energy drinks <laughs> and all the covers. Um, I always I put a lot of money into cover work because I do believe that a good cover should you know sell your book. Yeah. Um, it's it's your it's your pitch right there. So I've got four really awesome covers, um, and. This is the first book for everybody backing it. This is the first book I'm taking on everything from line art to lettering. So all the interior work, 100% is me, and um, I'm really proud of it. Uh, last book, I had messed around with some of the pages, and I sent it to my friends, and I said, hey, I want to color. What do you think? And they were like, you colored this? So I was like, yeah, is it good? And they're like, oh, I thought you paid some go- somebody to do this. This is really good. I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> If that's what you think, and the, I, I sent it to my most critical friend, and uh, he's read every crit book, and he was like, "Oh, this looks just like your colors." I was like, "Perfect, I'm good." Uh, I mean, if, if I'm giving off those kind of vibes, and I've been coloring for a year, cool. And I'm not sacrificing quality. It frees up my budget a little bit to do some more fun things with the issues and get out the cons. So nice. Awesome, man. All right, I know you've got uh, you've got other things you got to do. Uh, you listed a thousand things you're doing. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious when you sleep. I don't think you do. Nope. I get up at five every morning. I go to bed too. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. You heard it. It's on Kickstarter. Crit caffeinated chaos. Get over there right now. Check it out. Fund it. Get on it. All right. Done. Uh, if you like to draw, we use fake comic book covers on the Facebook page, the Facebook group. Um, we have a gallery on the blog you can take a look at. If you do want to do one, we can't pay you for it. It'll be yours to own because we have no money. But if you'd allow us to, we'll use it for that and we'll add it to the cover gallery of the blog. A lot of people like these. I enjoy getting them. A lot of people say, I don't think you're going to like this. I've loved them all. Don't be afraid. Uh, if you're any kind of musician, recording artist, singer, um, performance artist, we if we don't have a guest, we have a music break on the blog. 
Um, again, can't pay you for it. We can add it to the music page on the blog. And Rook is tired of me playing the same stuff over and over and over again. And we have a t-shirt so on the sidebar of the blog. It's not to get rich. It's just to pay for our hosting fees. We have two different designs. Listen to the show. Wear the shirt. Rook. Everybody, make sure to check us out. Bunchofdorks.com. Click on that Cyclops. You can find links to everything we talk about in this episode right there for you. Until next time, everybody. Read more comics. You can hear our most recent 20 episodes on iTunes. If you would like to hear our older episodes, you can find them on our blog. Just go to bunchofdorks.com and click Click on the Cyclops. True Dimension can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe, rate, leave a review, tell a friend, or like us on Facebook. Thanks for listening. Thank you.